Howdy folks, this is Atomic Clown. Thank you for tuning in to Atomic Radio. I got a few things I can I can address. So I've been asked uh, a few times, or at least I've had to explain, why my avatar looks the way it does. And I'll explain because, you know, obviously this is a podcast and uh, I actually didn't, didn't include my avatar on the cover art for Atomic Radio, that little design I did. I did not put myself in it. I couldn't think of a creative way that would that would really work well for the sake of longevity. And honestly, like this, this cover art may very well change, you know, at some point in the future if I think of any cooler new ideas. But for those who follow my content on my blog, atomicclown.wordpress.com, Twitter at the Atomic Clown, or watch my videos, get further details on that in the pilot episode. <laughs> but if you go to any of those platforms, you'll note that my avatar is frequently featured in my videos. Uh, anywhere online that you'll find me, you'll find my avatar, you'll find that it is a picture of me. At this point, it's a picture of me in a, in a sweet fucking crimson and black checkered robe. And I am photoshopped to look like Dr. Manhattan. You'll also notice the bio for a lot of my content, uh, as well as like on Twitter. And of course, on this particular podcast is a, a little tagline I came up with. Winners write the history books. Losers Photoshop themselves to look like Dr. Manhattan and critique things on the Internet. So people have asked me, what's what's up with your picture? Why do you look like that? Really, are they familiar with uh, Dr. Manhattan to begin with? Dr. Manhattan, uh, for those who are not aware, Dr. Manhattan is a character prominently featured in Alan Moore's Watchmen. It is considered to be the greatest graphic novel of all time by many fans of that industry. It's certainly one of the most iconic. And personally, I would say that it is the greatest graphic novel of all time, but naturally I am biased. Watchmen is actually my my second favorite book. My first being uh, The Stand by Stephen King. Watchmen is a dark take on the world of superheroes. It's more of a gritty, realistic take, and it was one of the first, if not the first, I don't think it was the first. Watchmen was, was certainly a, or the pioneer of the dark side of superhero comics. So it took a look at like heroes getting raped and and what what it's like to be like an icon to everybody, but you can only do so much, you know, play fighting while the world is crumbling around you. It's it's a dark take on everything and and how deep, you know, the world really goes. And in Watchmen, there's actually only one superhero technically, uh, but the only character that actually has powers is Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan used to be a man named John Osterman, who was a physicist, I believe, at, at a Yellow Flats uh, facility in, I think, Arizona. He was participating in an experiment that went wrong. He wasn't supposed to be there. He left a broken watch that he had, that he had repaired. It, it was his girlfriend at the time, her watch. He had repaired it and he was going to surprise her with it as a gift, uh, but he left it in, in the test chamber of, of an experiment that they had been working on to remove a theoretical sort of series of strings that hold people's atoms together. They called it an intrinsic field. So he accidentally trapped himself into the intrinsic field chamber and so when the experiment commenced he was literally ripped atom from atom actually in that panel where he is absolutely eviscerated when we're learning about his story what his character says as he reflects is the light is taking me to pieces so his his atomic structure is is completely ripped apart he doesn't exist anymore but then over the next few months he starts to appear as this glowing blue like circulatory system and like nervous system and shit until he's finally able to 
completely reassemble himself into a superhuman, essentially, that has that is basically no emotions, thinks only through cold, calculating logic. And he's not, he doesn't become a villain or anything. He, like, he sees the future. He's able to alter atomic structure, which essentially means that he is quasi-omnipotent, quasi-omniscient uh, because of his, his perception of the future. But so Dr. Manhattan is my favorite fictional character in everything, in all of fiction. Dr. Manhattan is my absolute favorite. I mean, I could say that it's because I respect his association with logic. I could say that it's because of how truly awesome and powerful he is as a character. But honestly, I don't know. I just connect with, with that character very, very much. Not in the sense that like, oh my god, he's me. <laughs> like, that would be pretty stupid. Um some point i i just started photoshopping you know myself to be blue with white eyes and have a hydrogen atom on my forehead just like he creates for himself in the comic it was also a film for the record if you're not familiar it was a Zack snyder film in uh, 2009 it's three hours long it's it's the most conflicted i've ever felt about a film whether or not it's good whether it's good or bad i don't want to think of it like as as I don't want to think of the quality as how close it is to the source material. I don't like to be that guy. I do think that adaptations have a have an obligation to be, you know, faithful to the source material, of course, uh, but you can take liberties. I don't know. It's also just really slow and grim and boring at times. And, you know, some performances are not the best. Some of the dialogue is pretty stiff. Ultimately, I enjoy the film. I have it in my library. It's a it's a strange film. It's not something I would say is like amazing or. But yeah, so that's why I do it. I just love the character of Dr. Manhattan. And I, I thought it would be neat to just sort of edit myself to look like him and, and you know, just fuck around. It's, it's just a fun thing so I'm sure that for a lot of people who like just watch my videos or something and they see you know this weird Dr. Manhattan avatar of a guy in a in a in a bright red robe floating around on screen or whatever probably like what the fuck <laughs> like what that why are you Dr. Manhattan this this doesn't make any sense this is no correlation to to the content you're creating or anything but you know that's all it is it's it's just a fun thing that I associate myself with it's a it's something I enjoy I love the character and I enjoy Photoshop. <laughs> I recently watched a, a mockumentary that was strangely controversial <laughs> back in, I think it was released in 2011. Um, and you actually might already be familiar with it. It's, it's called Mermaids the Body Found. And it was released on Animal Planet as like... I don't know this sort of I don't really know what their goal was. It, it seems like Animal Planet has gotten really diluted over the years. Uh, same with like the History Channel, you know, when it comes to like just making shit for the sake of entertainment rather than education. But it was it was this weird. They, 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 they pretended as though there was a group of scientists that had proof that mermaids exist and they were silenced by the Navy. But now they're coming forward with their story and you can you could believe it or you cannot. And like, obviously, it's all fake. People at the time were like really upset that it wasn't real or something <laughs> like I I'm not entirely sure what the controversy was. And to be fair, it is a really weird thing for Animal Planet to create. The most egregious part of it is even for 2011, the effects are just so, so awful. Just Google mermaids the body found. And you'll see so many pictures of the mermaids that they show in it. 
they could not look worse. Honestly, it's 2011 is not an excuse because, you know, sure, Animal Planet isn't going to be as big as fucking the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But when when shit looked better in Jurassic Park, which I'll go back to my favorite film of all time, when, when the CG looked better in 1993, then you can scrounge together for this project in, in 2011. I, I honestly don't see the excuse for that. You could say that it was this little independent side thing that like Animal Planet barely even wanted to release, let alone give a bigger budget for you, whatever. I don't know the story behind it, but it is extremely distracting. I try not to be that kind of guy when it comes to effects, but you know, when, when you're doing a mockumentary and I've said this so many times in my, my, my piece reviews, authenticity is everything. You can't shy away from being as close to realism as you can get. That's the entire point of making a mockumentary. You know, you want people to believe that it is real. You know, you, you don't you don't want to trick people necessarily. You want it to be convincing. You want people to be watching go into that Zen mode where they're just experiencing the immersion that comes with a mockumentary, that engagement that you can only find in a documentary format. People watch, you know, like Tiger King, the, the, the format of a documentary is something that's very engrossing. It makes you feel educated. It's something that that retains your interest. Not, you know, not every documentary, of course, when, when that's what you're striving for, you need to you need to hit the mark on, on everything as much as you can. So if you're going to be showing us mermaids that you're going to pretend are real, they better be looking pretty fucking close to real. And they do not. They look absolutely atrocious. Beyond the effects, it was pretty okay. You know, they they tried, uh, they put in a surprising amount of effort when it came to like pseudo security footage and shit of like the Navy confiscating their stuff. And they like, they showed reenactments of things that these, that these actors playing scientists were describing. And then they had actors to play as the actors. So I, I appreciate that, that they, that they did put in you know, a pretty good amount of effort. And honestly, if it were, if it were done today and they had fucking the, whoever did the graphic effects in like Game of Thrones, they would really have something to work with. Mermaids are kind of a, a fucking, uh, terrifying prospect. And, uh, you know, actually when I finished writing the flesh game, I was going to start writing a, a story about, about mermaids. I was going to write a horror story about, uh, mermaids in the deep sea. I, I still very well may. I just sort of dropped off from it with becoming preoccupied with other things since then, you know, employment and moving to Europe and everything. I finished the Flash game back when I was living in Georgia, I'll say, because I know that, I, that I've that i said, you know, I lived in Georgia on my blog or whatever. I only said the South in the pilot episode, but I'm fine disclosing that. Um, so yeah, I was going to write a story about mermaids. I think I addressed it in, in my gameplay video that I talked about in the previous episode too, where I played Maid of Skur. I'm pretty sure I addressed it at the time that I was thinking about it, but I wanted to, I wanted to write a story about like evolutionarily realistic mermaids and, you know, give it a, a sick fucked up take. I don't want to get into too many details just because I still might do it. But, you know, I, I came up with a lot of ideas um, that were pretty scattered. I wasn't as invested in it as like I was in the flesh game. It was something that I just kept sitting down and trying to trying to figure out what my flow was. And it actually all came to my mind because the very first film that I reviewed on YouTube was Underwater with Kristen Stewart. You can watch that video. It's, it's you know, it's called My Piece Underwater 2020. You can watch it on, on YouTube. After watching the film, it's I was interested because 
Thalassophobia, which is uh, the fear of the ocean, of the deep sea, is one of the most common concrete fears that people have. You know, you talk to people about, would you go down into the deep sea? The thought is, for most people, is absolutely chilling because you don't know what's down there. You know, it really comes back to the fear of the unknown, the oldest and most powerful fear that humankind has. Uh, I don't want to, you know, get too sidetracked here. I, I was just ranting on like Snapchat or something about how I couldn't understand why Hollywood had neglected thalassophobia when it came to horror films. I could not believe that there are so few films about the ocean and about the deep sea. You know, there were there were stories on like r slash no sleep and like creepypastas and shit, you know, wherever you would find these these horror stories all over about about going to the deep sea and finding fucked up monsters and shit. So I I was astonished that Underwater came out and it wasn't great. It came close, but ultimately it was it was not good. Which I think I addressed in that first video, but honestly, I cannot bring myself to watch it ever because I just cringe at the lack of quality to it. So if you if you if you try to check it out, I warned you ahead of time so you can't get mad at me. God, I hate I hate that video I made. So I was just talking about how Hollywood just hasn't done it. And as I talked more and more about the potential ideas that they could use, I realized like Oh shit, well, now I have to write something about it. I have to take advantage of all these ideas I'm having. What's a really scary thing, you know, that you could find in the ocean? Mermaids. Think about disturbing, realistic mermaids. Think about, like, the intellect that could be behind a terrifying, you know, creature that looks somewhat human and isn't, and is in the deep sea. And when I watched this mockumentary the other day, it proposed a theory called, uh, like, the aquatic apes theory. Millions and millions of years ago, when Neanderthals were, were still fucking around, a sect of them, you know, branched off and began hunting underwater uh, for the sake of survival with like volcanoes erupting and shit. And so they they evolved to like hold their breath for extended periods of time. Their eyes were able to expand and contract at will, you know, for the sake of seeing clearly underwater. After millions more years of evolution, they gradually became mermaids. And then people have seen them for years, you know, over the centuries and everything. So the aquatic apes theory, which I found absolutely fascinating in the sense of like, yeah, you know, why not? <laughs> uh, I don't necessarily believe in mermaids. I my thing with with the supernatural overall uh, is I, I've been obsessed with cryptids since the fourth grade. You know, I got very much so into cryptozoology. Since then, I've maintained a pretty healthy obsession with the supernatural. However, I don't believe. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in cryptids necessarily. I've never experienced anything uh, for myself. I've never heard, seen anything I couldn't explain or or think. You know, was was scientifically explainable. But I've always wanted to believe, and I've always been very open. I am a skeptic. I'm not arrogant enough to think that I am absolutely right. It's the same way with my perspective on religion. I don't I don't believe that there's anything else. I, I absolutely know that I could be wrong. I could be proven wrong at any time. I'm, I'm open to being wrong. I just don't believe that I am. So I don't believe in mermaids. I really want to believe in mermaids. I would love it if, if those sort of things were real. So it just made me think about that sort of thing. And you can always count on that when it comes to a to a documentary, uh, you know, even if it's a mockumentary, it makes you think. So I enjoyed that facet to it. It was it was a realistic explanation. Uh, people to this day, you know, claim to see them. So 
If you have ever experienced uh, or witnessed anything that you might consider supernatural or paranormal for the record, please, please feel free to reach out and tell me your story because I am so fascinated by, by the supernatural world. I just can't get enough of it. I love going down that rabbit hole of like, you know, shitty iPhone camera videos of of like napkins moving around on their own in in someone's kitchen and like you know faces peering out from from around a corner and shit all of that don't believe in it uh you know and i i won't until something happens to me but i absolutely adore it i'm i you know and i if somebody came to me with a story you know of like you know i i was haunted by this ghost as a kid or whatever you know any anything th that is supernatural or paranormal like that if anyone comes to me with a story along those lines, I certainly would never shut them down unless they were like deliberately fucking with me, obviously. But I, I would never say like, oh, that's just bullshit. You know, you, you can explain it away like this. All I would do is is just listen and be fascinated. That's all, because it is it is absolutely fascinating to me. So, yeah, hopefully I'll get to that story at some point. I've been. I've been writing since uh, since about second grade of elementary school. I I was always, you know, I always took to creativity pretty strongly. I I just really wanted to create these like little imaginary worlds. And uh in back in actually in in the first grade, I I just I was just sitting down like during recess and I I just drew like this like three page comic of of some like Superman knockoff that that was a humanoid Tyrannosaurus Rex called uh, like Dr. Dino. And then from there, like for, for the rest of my time up until like uh, before, just before I went into fourth grade, I think I, I just had this little aimless <laughs> shitty saga of these of these dinosaur themed superheroes. And as as the years went on, I, I leaned more toward like medieval and like science fiction stuff and like in in 2010 i began creating this sort of um this sort of like marvel or dc universe that i just sort of kept to myself and it, i didn't really know what to call the universe in itself i i think last i addressed it i called it the maker verse like the god of this universe would be called the maker now it's not terribly creative but it's it's just what I've settled on for now. But I thought of I thought of a medieval world called Shantoria that had all of these adventures and creatures and and you know the arcane arts and and all of that to it. And it had a, a fantastic hero that was uh, this uh, sort of minotaur thing uh, who was the last of his kind, and everyone was prejudiced against him uh, because he was a beast person. Um, and not just because not because everybody would look down on one of these like animalistic races, but because like his particular breed were essentially like Nazis that thought themselves, you know, superior above all others and committed horrible atrocities that he tries to change the he tries to change the perspective that the people have, despite being the last one alive. And then I thought of I thought of a world of dinosaurs, you know, from from all eras, you know, just dwelling together and uh, constructing like this this ancient kingdom that was ruled by like a human that that woke up on the planet and and turned into a a humanoid Tyrannosaurus Rex, just like I mentioned earlier, and uh, like he called himself Tyrannus or something. And I, I'm sure I fucked with that over the years. I made I made all of these ideas a little bit more adult, a little more realistic. And I still I still think about them pretty much every day. 
And then there was a world of zombies that I called uh, the resurrection infection. And honestly, that's just a world of zombies where there's just like this one guy who's like the last person alive. It's like, I am legend, whatever. That that that, that one I spent like the least amount of time of. I was just going through a zombie phase, but I enjoyed it. And then finally, there was the sci-fi, you know, futuristic world where like humanity was led to the stars by this guy who uh, who in an accident, he was like testing out a project to control an android body using your mind, projecting your your consciousness into an artificial uh, husk. Star pirates uh, boarded the ship and they killed him while his consciousness was was still being projected. So so like doctors salvaged what they could of his brain, but they they placed him into an android body. So he was essentially a cyborg. And so he like struggles with that, with, you know, the idea of not being a human anymore, of, of like being turned away by his parents who, who refuse to believe that it's like, really him and shit and like i don't know i envision that they would all come together like the heroes from each of these worlds and form you know this little like avengers this little justice league to defeat evil across the the makerverse together i still have all those ideas written down and it and it's something that i i've definitely had in my back pocket as like a saga you know for years and years i know how it all ends i know how it all begins i know all these different adventures but as i said in the previous episode i've never been good at filling in the details between plot points when it comes to uh to writing stories so after that um you know when i branched away from from all that like fantasy and i i started to get more engaged in horror i mean i tried a few different ideas uh, the first story I actually uh, posted to my blog was this little like sci-fi horror-ish story called The Thinking Warren, which is about uh, this this woman who wakes up in like a spaceship kind of maze uh, that's constantly changing around her, like the walls are moving into different configurations all the time, and she has no idea how she got there, there's nobody else there, and every now and then there's this voice that speaks to her from the air in like this this sort of musical like feverish tone about you know things that just don't make sense delirious statements we did not understand because we were too far and could not remember because we were traveling in the night of first ages of those ages that are gone leaving hardly a sign and no memories so I enjoyed writing that a lot. I didn't have a terrible amount of ideas. That's something that, like, I didn't really plot out ahead of time. That was more of a sort of stream of consciousness thing. And it's it's certainly not my best work. I think that there are a lot of good ideas in there, but I didn't really I didn't really use them as well as, you know, as I would now. But that's still up. I mean, you can still read that. It's it's you know, it is what it is. After that, I started to get into more like actual horror. When we moved to Georgia and I saw all of the forests and everything, I kept thinking like, God, I need, I need to write something about this. This is, this is all just so, this is a great environment to inspire me to write something. You know, I think about Wendigos, you know, crawling through the woods, stalking people and shit. I wrote, I wrote this three part Sort of, I mean, I mean, it's technically an anthology because it's like, it's, it's about the same creature, but it all takes place at different times and, and with different characters. Uh, but I, I just wrote these stories about, uh, something I called the antler man. 
I would encourage you to to read that if you would be interested, because I don't want to I don't want to spoil that here because I actually am proud of those stories. <laughs> and honestly, I'll I'll probably I'll probably record myself reading any stories that I have published at some point, uh, just so that people can listen to them, you know, as like an audiobook. And that'll be part of part of the Atomic Radio podcast is I'll I'll just read the Flesh game and I'll read uh the Antler Man series. And uh, anything else I might put out, you know, that's that, that that's probably going to happen. It'll definitely happen. We'll just see how long it takes when I can find the time. I named each of those Antlerman stories after lyrics from my favorite Bob Dylan song. Bob Dylan is my uh, my second favorite musical artist of all time. Changing of the Guards is my favorite song of his. I adore every lyric of it. It's something that he, he actually hasn't performed many times, and he certainly hasn't done it in in years. The best time. He did it, and I want to say, you know, one of the last times he did it was in, uh, I think, 1978. And that's the version that I listen to a lot is this, you know, there's this video on YouTube that's, that's um, this, like, camcorder, you know, footage of someone in the audience just recording him, you know, him, him performing it. And that's the that's the version I prefer. He he did more like a studio version like later on that honestly isn't great. Uh, and there was a cover of it by the Gaslight Anthem, which is also great. So if, if you want to listen to the song, that's probably the most uh, like accessible version you'll find, you know, for, for the sake of listening quality. So search Changing of the Guards uh, by the Gaslight Anthem. It's a, it's a lot of fun. You know, the, I think the first one is called uh, The Wailing of the Chimes, the first Antlerman story, because that's a lyric from the song. The second one is The Empty Rooms, and the third one is The Endless Road. All of those being uh, lyrics toward the end of Changing of the Guards. And I, I just sort of based... I based facets of the stories on just those lyrics. Like it was, it was sort of a creative challenge of like, okay, how do you, how do you incorporate empty rooms in a, in a meaningful way in this story? You know, just because you said it as the title, you know, how can you make it work? And, uh, I think I made it work, but I, I don't like to judge my myself. I don't like to judge my work. I don't like to judge the products that I create. You know, I try to be satisfied with them. Otherwise I wouldn't be putting them out. Of course, but I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll never look at something and be like, oh, I did such a great job on that. <laughs> like, you know, fuck off. And then I, I talked about the flesh game in, in the pilot episode. So I won't go back into that just for the sake of, uh, I don't want to make things annoying. I've been watching, uh, this new series. I'm not an anime fan for the record, at least not inherently. I love Death Note. It's my favorite anime that I've seen. I've seen, you know, just a few, and it's it's really just not my thing. My preference does go toward older anime like Akira, and I actually haven't watched them yet, but I have like I have Cowboy Bebop and I have Neon Genesis Evangelion in my uh library. Not watched either of them, but you know, just aesthetically, it's it's more of what I'm into. I really don't care for modern anime, with the exception of what I've been watching lately, which is a uh, Godzilla Singular Point. You know, I'll concede that's entirely because I've been obsessed with Godzilla since I was like nine. 
I adore the entire Godzilla franchise, all of the kaiju. Love Rodan and Anguirus and Mothra and Varen and Baragon and Space Godzilla and Megalon and Gigan and King Ghidorah. Like, I could go on. I love these films. Uh, I My favorite is uh, Godzilla vs. Destroya. Not really a fan of the new ones. I tried. But uh, this anime, I like the direction that it takes. I, I like the animation for the most part. It is a little too, like, it addresses some pretty weird things that don't all really make sense, so I don't think it's terribly accessible, like, mentally. But it is it is something I enjoy a lot. It's, it's a somewhat, like, more realistic take on kaiju existing. It's pretty neat. I love uh, any time Jet Jaguar comes on and fights something. Personally, I think that's the best part of the entire show. For those who are not familiar with, with Godzilla Singular Point or Godzilla in general, you probably won't understand anything I'm saying, and that's totally that's totally fine. I'm kind of nerding out, I guess. But that's a show that I'm watching right now, that's happening right now, and uh, I'm enjoying it. So, it's a little weird. Definitely not going to be for, for everyone. It's probably only for a minority of people, frankly, that are already inherently into uh, the Godzilla franchise. But... That is something that I that I'm keeping up, you know, keeping up with. And I like the quality of the animation. I like uh, the quality of the of the voice acting. I like the dialogue. I like I like where the story is going. I like characters and we're, we're coming up on our last uh, 15 minutes or so. Uh, so I I addressed in, in the previous episode, I addressed that I have a pretty extensive media library. What I currently have. Uh, let me just check. I currently have 607 films, I have 27 shows, I have 2,279 music tracks, and probably a countless amount of YouTube videos. All of these downloaded to a set of hard drives that I have. I'll be, you know, I've always been pretty open about it, I torrent uh, the majority of my media. I rip YouTube videos straight from YouTube. Uh, a lot of people uh, have, you know, considered it questionable that I uh, that I torrent, that I pirate uh, the content I enjoy, and I I completely understand that. Uh, so the justification I come to is when Netflix began, that's what everybody flocked to. It put the titan that was blockbuster out of business. People stopped going to the movie store, you know, to pick up a good a good flick. Everybody wanted to stream all of their favorite movies and shows, so it was all accessible. Everything was was right there on this one platform. Then all of the other production companies and, and whatnot, they, they got greedy. They saw an opportunity. So now we've got Disney Plus and we've got Amazon Prime and, and Peacock and, you know, all this different shit, all these different subscription services that are doing that are just doing content exclusive from them. So now there are just too many options and in too few ways to just get everything you want. You can't get everything you want in one place. You have to pay through the nose to get it all. So honestly, these, you know, these corporations, <laughs> God, it, it, when I talk like this, I sound like a fucking conspiracy theorist, but these companies, they, they bitch and, and moan about piracy and how it's destroying the, the business and everything. But then they, they do this, you know, this hoarding shit, you know, making all of their stuff exclusive behind these these paywalls, which are which are all pretty, pretty annoying, pretty atrocious, and it doesn't make sense to me. We really just don't have so many alternatives 
beyond. There are only two ways that you can own the media that you that you want. Uh, you can purchase it in a physical format, a Blu-ray. Frankly, those can be expensive for newer films. You know, they can go to like $20 more or whatever. You know, I, I honestly have no idea. Most of the Blu-rays I've purchased have been for older films, you know, which which are pretty cheap, pretty accessible. They can be like $7, $5. So you can purchase it as a physical disc and then you can keep that to yourself. That's, you know, that's the only way that you can legally own any of the media that you buy is, is having a physical copy that you purchased. The other way is torrenting. It is piracy. Using a VPN, which, you know, you're going to have to pay for, for, for one that's actually worth a damn, but or for the, for the small price of you know however however many dollars it is a month, and then getting getting a torrenting client, and then just pirating the shit that you want. That's that's the only other way that you can own it as well is is owning that that individual file because like you purchase something on iTunes or Amazon, purchase a, a film, YouTube movies and shit, you don't own it. You have the license to it, and you can only access it by using their proprietary app, their proprietary website. And you can like get the Amazon videos app or whatever the hell and like download it to your one device. Then you just, you're going to have to rely on that. You're going to have to go to that every time. And if that works for you, by all means, go for it. What I use is I use Plex. I take these films, I organize them all on my hard drive and then Plex sorts it all out. And so I can, I can host it all, you know, on my own personal media server organized brought together i set the poster for everything to the best like custom art i can find so that it all looks nice and pretty and then i can access it anywhere i can i can access it all on my phone on my tv so that's that's what i do and it's not something i would do with with like an indie product you know I don't really get into too many of those, but like my my third favorite horror film of all time is uh, Resolution. That is that's a smaller film. That's that's something that like the directors are actually doing all right now. They just made a film called Synchronic with Anthony Mackie and um, the hell is his name who who played Christian Grey in um in the Fifty Shades of Grey film series. <laughs> so they're doing all right now, but that was just a small film, and it's one that I absolutely adore. So I I purchased it on Blu-ray. You sort of balance it out when it comes to the ethics side of things. And if that's what's holding you back, then, you know, that's going to hold you back. It's an illegal thing. It's, you know, I'm not going to pretend that it, that it's the right decision or whatever, but it's what I do. If I had to pay for every every film and show and, and shit, subscribe to all these different services just to watch these things, for one thing, I would be bankrupt. You know, for another, I, I, I would be no better off than than where I am now and neither would would these production companies neither you know I'm not saying everybody go pirate you know I'm not saying piracy is the answer but what we have right now when it comes to accessing all of the all of the media that everybody wants to access you want you want to watch the Dark Knight trilogy but it's not on Disney plus so now you have to get a subscription to a service that has the Dark Knight trilogy and you have to pay out the nose, you have to bend over backwards just, just so you can access it and watch it. How often are you, are you going to watch it, too? There are, just, there are only so many alternatives that they are giving us that are reasonable. Because just paying for everything, honestly, it's not reasonable. It's not reasonable. It's not something you should take on. And I know that 
people are going to say it costs millions and millions of dollars to make to make these films and everything like I get it. Of course, I get it. If 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 that were really the issue, then why are we able to legally buy Blu-rays for seven dollars? Why? Why are they outrageously expensive to just keep it for yourself? You know, that's clearly not a factor. Go see things in theaters when it's safe. By all means, support support that that industry. I'm not going to convince you to to be a pirate. I'm just explaining that's what I do. It's what works for me. You know, if that turns you away from from me or my content, that's totally fine. I, I completely understand that. I'm going to be open about it. I'm not going to I'm not going to bullshit anything here. If if there's one thing you'll learn about me uh, on Atomic Radio or any other content I have, it's that I am always straightforward. I really don't see the benefit in lying about anything. And it is what it is. I don't say that in like some Corinthian uh, attitude of like, I'll say what I want and I don't give a shit about about what you feel, because of course I, I, I give a shit about what you feel. I care about if you if you if you have a if you have a valid opinion on something and I mean any opinion is a valid opinion of course but I I'm just trying to say I'm just going to be straight with you, you know? so I hope that that's I hope that's all right with you if if it's not I understand so uh, that's my system I I torrent uh, shows and films I I download the songs I like from YouTube and I download videos from the YouTube channels that I love the most straight to my hard drive. And then I have them all neatly organized in my Plex library, thanks to uh, a plugin that syncs the YouTube uh, metadata to the files I've downloaded. I might explain that whole my whole process for, for what works for me, for how I, have not, how I have a nice, neatly organized library in a future episode. Maybe this next one, you know, if if people ask about it, you know, of course, I'll I'll get into it. It's something that once you figure out how to do, you really just can't go back, you know, unless it's an ethical dilemma for you, in which case more power to you by all means. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of give a walkthrough on that, you know, someday probably, but, uh, we're coming up on, uh, on, on about an hour here. So I'll, I'll leave off with that. We've talked about a few things here. I'm, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the experience of it, of doing Atomic Radio. When 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 I start out each episode, this is only episode two, but when I've been starting them out, it's, you know, it's sort of an anxious sort of thing of like, oh God, what am I talking about today? Like, you know, am I going to be able to keep things going? Am I going to like stall for time and have to figure something out and have these big gaps of silence? And is this episode going to be considerably shorter? Because I can't think of shit to say. But I I think, and I don't know if this is the same experience for anybody else who does podcasting. I, I sort of I sort of find my footing, you know, as I get into it, I I find that I'm, you know, I'm stuttering. Sometimes I say, you know, and um a lot or like a lot, you know, I, a lot of words uh, repeated just as like a habit. And maybe I'm maybe I'm anxious. Maybe I'm nervous. Maybe I'm stressed. I, I mean, we're just getting to know each other right now. This is a big commitment for me. So, you know, I'll be a little giddy. So thank you for tuning in to Atomic Radio. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed episode two. I hope that you enjoyed episode one. If you listened to that, if you did not, then, you know, I would encourage you to check that out if you enjoyed this one. So, yeah, I appreciate it very much. I still don't know what to say at the end of these because I, you know, like I said, at the end of, of the pilot, I, I really don't want to do like an outro or an intro because it's just something that everybody, you know, wants to skip. It's not something nobody listens in for the intro. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess uh, in conclusion, I, I hope that you enjoyed Atomic Radio. If you did, you know, please 
Feel free to follow on anchor.fm slash atomic clown. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the atomic clown. Follow my, my website, atomicclown.wordpress.com. And on all of those, you will also find my YouTube channel. You will find my, my review series called my piece. You'll find gameplay videos and whatnot there. Uh, so those are all of the major platforms where you will find me. So thank you very much for, for listening in. I hope that you have a great day. Stay safe and uh, cheers. Cheers.